Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. All right, here we are. It's about the 24th of January, and we are winding down this month's study, getting ready for a podcast next week. I don't know when you'll be hearing this, but hopefully it'll be before that podcast, which is going to be on next Tuesday night, one week from the time of this recording. We're going to be for a few minutes in Genesis chapter 41, as we are reading through the story of Joseph, and we are looking for times when God is the one who is credited with being with Joseph or with orchestrating the events that surrounded his rise to fame there in Egypt. And we're listing those passages. Before we get to chapter 41, I have about five of those passages mentioned. And then we get to chapter 41, and Joseph is the one who is giving God the glory, who is giving God the credit at every turn. I just wanna submit to you that Joseph is a great example here. God was working providentially and miraculously in this chapter in the life of Joseph, but Joseph never, ever took the credit for what God was doing. Sometimes I think we do that in our world. We fail to, and maybe we don't mean to usurp any credit, but we just fail to mention God when our blessings become obvious, when God's instruction in our lives through his word becomes so relevant and blesses us in tangible ways sometimes to those people around us we fail to mention that what is so huge in our blessed lives and that is that we are being blessed as a part of the creation of God and his providence is working in our lives to his glory, to his purposes. And sometimes we become so involved, I think, in the material world around us that we fail to just exude God's name and his blessings and his glory as good things happen to us. I want us to look at Joseph's example in that regard. In chapter 41, of course, that's when he's been in prison for two extra years here because the butler, was it the butler who went back? And yes, the butler and forgot. He forgot to mention that Joseph had revealed the interpretation of his dream when he was in prison. He forgot to tell Pharaoh that. Um, Another instance of us getting so involved in the blessings around us that we forget our responsibilities in regard to those blessings. But at any rate, he forgot to tell Pharaoh. And so in chapter 41, we have Pharaoh having the dream. He's standing out by the Nile River and he is um, he's looking out over the river and these seven cows come up and they are fat and seven skinny cows come up and eat them. And then he dreamed a second time and the stalks of corn came up rank or fat and good and seven thin ears came up 
and they were blasted with the east wind and they sprung up after the fat ones and the seven thin ears ate up the seven fat ears and pharaoh awoke knew it was a dream called on his magicians he had plenty of magicians and holy men but what he didn't have was jehovah god revealing what he needed to know from these dreams and so then the butler of course remembered and the butler said wait i forgot i forgot to tell you that i know somebody who can interpret dreams and let me tell you what he said in prison and it all came true and so pharaoh called for joseph and the bible says that joseph got dressed and shaved and he must have been very excited thinking perhaps uh, god will be with me and this will be my chance to get out of this dungeon prison and so he goes before pharaoh and we have a lot of indications that god well pharaoh you know was ready to honor joseph he was ready to listen to joseph he was had been told about joseph he hadn't been told about god but in these passages joseph makes sure that pharaoh knows that none of the credit belongs to him Forty-one sixteen. it is not in me god shall give pharaoh an answer of peace do we say that to people when people ask for advice when people ask for help with struggles in life situations do we say well let's just look to the word of god that's what we need to be saying because we don't have the answers but god has all the answers in 41 verse 25 god has showed pharaoh what he is about to do so joseph is and not only is it just a matter of humility and giving god the glory it is throwing god's name out it is um almost being obsessed with making sure god is in the conversation and that's what we as christians do when we are around those people who trust in well here it was idolatry trusting in false gods but when we see people who are trusting in the gods of this world money power politics um, fame popularity all of those things sports all of those things when we see people who are all wrapped up in those things we're going to interject the name of god at every chance we have 4128 what god is about to do he has showed pharaoh 4132 it is because the thing is established by god and he will shortly bring it to pass so already in this short time before pharaoh when all joseph has been asked to do is interpret the dream already he has thrown out the fact that he serves god and that god is the one who is responsible for any interpretation and indeed any success he's already said that four times and so pharaoh responds in verse 38 can we find such an one as this in whom the spirit of god is and listen to verse 39 for as much as god has showed you all this there is none so discreet and wise as you are pharaoh comes around here to crediting god with the interpretation of his dream rather than joseph i think that's incredible and i think that it still happens today 
if we keep throwing his name out, if we keep talking about him, if we keep God in every conversation where glory is given or where, um, I'm going to say, um, flattery or compliments or advice is sought, when those things are in the conversation with regard to us as his children, it behooves us to, to, to bring up his name. You know, four times in a conversation is not too much when we have a chance to do that. Um, I was on a plane last weekend and this lady began talking about nature and how amazing nature was. And she started talking about things that I really didn't know about, some classifications of animals and how one animal doesn't fit into this category. She was talking about the duckbill platypus and how that, you know, is it a bird or is it a mammal or is it, what is it? And she was talking about how that it's, it's a mammal, but you all look up the duckbill platypus and tell me, what category it fits in because it makes eggs but it's not supposed to make eggs and but yet um i need to look up the duckbill platypus myself that's not the point of my lesson and just leave it to me every time i'm going to throw in something in a lesson i think about it and I, it's off the cuff i don't know what i'm talking about so let me look up the duckbill platypus you look it up and we'll talk about it later but at any rate she was throwing all this out things that she knew about nature that um, were really in some ways above my head and so i just started talking about god when she would say something incredible like that i would say yeah, and you know what? There are so many evidences like that that show us that God is amazing. She said, like, what are you thinking about? Well, I thought about some that I did know about, like the way that a giraffe's neck is constructed so that he can reach up into the trees and swallow his food and the blood still goes to his head like it's supposed to. I've read about some of that stuff. And so I, I said, go look up the giraffe and you will see that our God is just amazing. And then she started talking about some political beliefs that she had, some things that she believed about um, Jews today, for instance. And, and I was able to talk to her about, about going over to Israel and being impressed that God was that everything that was in the Bible uh, about the history of, um, we were talking about the judges, and I told her that I just finished speaking at a lectureship about to women about the judges, and we talked about that, and, and I got into pretty deep conversation with her about how that every single architectural find over in Israel, if it has any relevance at all to the Word of God, it shows us that what God's Word told us about history was absolutely true. I was able to talk to her about the Jerusalem Museum for a little bit and about um, some of the civilizations that I saw in there. And there was just much evidence there that Joshua really did go into those civilizations and conquer them when he took the promised land. Um, Hazor, or Hazor, as we say, it was one of those places that I saw in the Jerusalem Museum and as I looked at it it became obvious to me that the the accounts in Joshua and Judges were absolutely um, born 
were absolutely supported by what I was seeing in the museum. So we got into this conversation about God, and I got to say God's name a whole bunch of times. Now, please don't think that I'm setting myself up as an example of this because I fail so many times, but it's become apparent to me as I'm reading Genesis 41 here about Joseph that we, as his people, experiencing his amazing providence in our world around us and in our individual, in the events of our individual lives, we as his people need to be bringing up his name in this secular society in which we live, even more than perhaps when our nation was known as a quote-unquote Christian nation. You know, everybody knew that God existed. Everybody knew that the Bible was his word. That's not the case today in America. And so it wasn't the case in Joseph's time. And what Joseph did about that was to say God's name at every opportunity that he had. And the result was that when it became convenient for Pharaoh to say it, he said it too. He said, how can we find such a one as this in whom the Spirit of God is? Verse 39, for as much as God has showed you all this, there is none so discreet and wise as you are. I just want to tell you that when he said the Spirit of God was in Joseph, he used the exact same Hebrew phrase that we read in Genesis 1 verse 2. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That's why it's capitalized here because Pharaoh was talking about Jehovah God. You know, there is no argument here. Um, this is what, let's see, I believe I'm reading from Clark. This is what the commentator Clark says about it. In verse 38 of Genesis 41, who is the Spirit of God? He says, well, it's Ruach Elohim, the identical words used in Genesis 1 verse 2. And they are certainly to be understood here as in Genesis 31 verse 2. If the Egyptians were idolaters, they at least acknowledged Joseph's God. And it is not to be supposed that they only became acquainted with him on this occasion. The knowledge of the true God was in Egypt long before. But it is very likely that though they acknowledged his influence with respect to Joseph, as they saw most clearly that he acted under an influence far beyond that of their magicians, for he interpreted dreams which they could not. Yet they might, notwithstanding, hold on to their gods, their many gods, and their lords, which were many at this time. For we know that in religious matters they became exceedingly corrupt afterwards. So what Clark is saying here is that they weren't converted, of course, to a theocracy serving Jehovah God, but they knew right here in this instant that God, Jehovah God, was greater than their gods. He had plenty of magicians. He had plenty of lords. He had plenty of gods, but at this point he said, I can't find anybody else in whom the spirit of Elohim is. I just think that that's pretty incredible. And I also want to challenge you to make it work for you. Put his name in your conversations and you will be surprised how many people will respond 
positively to that and you then have planted a seed for faith in those people and you can't give the people around you any greater gift than a seed of faith so i want to challenge you to do that and then i want to go ahead down at the bottom of the chapter and see that joseph didn't stop doing it when his children were named in verse 51 and 52 and joseph called the name of the firstborn manasseh he's talking about god here for God, and now the Egyptians know him. They're watching. He married an Egyptian woman given to him by Pharaoh. They're watching him. They're hearing what he's saying. And in verse 51, For God, said he, has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. 52. In the name of the second call he Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I'm just saying he was still giving God the glory in front of the people who were idolatrous and making headway in that land of Egypt because these idol this idolatrous king was going to make a place for God's people in Goshen, a place where they could grow into the nation again that would be the cradle for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Holy One, the Christ child, the Messiah, to come into this earth. And it was this Pharaoh who saw the Spirit of God working and saw Joseph giving credit to this Spirit of God who's going to be the facilitator. Even though idolatrous, even though the leader of a wicked nation, he's going to facilitate the coming of Jesus by putting those Egyptians, those 70 men who are going to come down with Jacob, the father of Joseph, into the land of Goshen so that they can grow into a mighty people who will eventually be uh, distinctive during the, during the ten plagues, who will leave Egypt at the first Passover, who will cross the Red Sea, who will build, establish an altar to a memorial to God on the other shore of the Red Sea, and then go from there to, after some bumps in the road, conquer the promised land in which the nation of Israel would rise and fall and rise again, and finally in the area of Jerusalem in the city of Bethlehem would, would be born the Son of God, the Son of David, through the tribe of Judah. All right, well, I think it's just Genesis 41. I think what, what I want us to take from it at least this hour is that Joseph not only gave God the credit, but mentioned God at every chance he had. And it became a great blessing to the people of God and allowed God here. God would have found a way, but it allowed God here to use a wicked king to at least pave the path for the Christ child to come into the world. Thanks, and I hope you have a great day.